we are to praise him in the midst of all storms. I think about Lamentations 3.32, for if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. So I don't think we should be afraid of talking about hard things because even in those hard things, God is still kind and he's still good to us. Welcome to Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. Many in today's world have trouble believing that God is kind because they see so much suffering. Today, pastor and author Nate Pickowitz helps answer some of the hard questions people struggle with about God's kindness. A featured resource at the website buildingrelationships.us is the book by Nate titled The Kindness of God, Beholding His Goodness in a Cruel World. I think it's going to help a lot of people struggling well with this topic. Again, you can find out more at buildingrelationships.us. Gary, you've talked about this before in some of your books and here on the program. I think there's a sense that kindness is part of the love language concept. Do you think that's true? I would say yes, Chris. It seems to me uh, that love, you know, kindness is one of the expressions of love. Uh, you know, of course, I associate it more with acts of, you know, acts of service, you know, but there's it, it, other ways, I'm sure. I'm, I'm excited about talking with uh, Nate today about this topic because uh, I, I, I'm interested to see what his definition of kindness is. Uh, people have different ideas, but uh, yeah, I can see it as being a, a part of the love language concept. It is certainly a way to express love and a, certainly a way that God expresses his love to us. Yes. Well, let's meet him. Nate Pickowitz. You don't have to spell that name in order to hear the program today. He is pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Gilmanton Ironworks, New Hampshire. He's the author and editor of several books, including How to Eat Your Bible. He and his wife, Jess, have three children. And our featured resource today is the book, The Kindness of God, Beholding His Goodness in a Cruel World. You'll find out more at the website, buildingrelationships.us. Well, Nate, welcome to Building Relationships. Thank you for having me on today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your family, your church. Uh, who is Pastor Nate? Sure, yeah. Well, as you say, I'm a pastor. Uh, we planted this church back in 2013 uh, in my hometown of Gilmanton Ironworks. And yes, there are stories about why it's called that. Uh, but just a very small rural town. And uh, prior to coming back here, there really wasn't a gospel witness in the town, so we have the opportunity to plant a church here. And uh, by God's grace, we've been rolling for those uh, the last 11 years. Uh, my wife and I, Jessica, we have uh, three children, uh, 13, 10, and 3, and they keep us busy. Uh, but uh, it's just been a great joy. Uh, the Lord has allowed me to, to preach and teach and write books and, and have a wonderful family. I'm just ex extremely grateful for God's kindness to me. Where is your home originally? Uh, Gilmanton and I works in New Hampshire. Yeah, this is uh, I was born oh. and raised here. Yep. Oh, all right. Well, well, tell us the history of the town. I mean, where did that name come from? So yeah, Gilmanton's a pretty old town. Goes back to the 1700s, but uh, it was a booming town for quite a while there. And we actually had, as you can imagine, an iron works, a factory that produced iron and shipped all over the place. And then. Uh, just through the course of uh, the 1850s, everything changing with the, the trains, the, the railway being installed, redirected business away from our town, and then a massive fire 100 years ago destroyed the ironworks. And so 
kept the name, but we don't have much left of what we what we started with. So now we're just a a podunk town. We have more cows than people, and uh, I like it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of people around the country who can identify with that. <laughs> sure, sure, that's, uh, that's right. That's great. That's quite a history. Well, let's turn to the topic: uh, kindness, the kindness of God. What compelled you to write about this particular subject? Yeah, so I, I just kept on finding that as I was going to the Lord in prayer, I, it was almost like this uh, uh, this natural hitch where I would just find myself thanking God for His expressed kindness to me. I, I would pray and just rehearse the different th- ways that He'd been kind to me, and it just sort of piqued an interest, and I, I started to look around for studies, you know, book studies about this particular topic of the kindness of God, and not to say that there isn't stuff out there written about it, but I couldn't find what I was looking for, and so normally when I don't find what I'm looking for, I try to write something to fill the gap. Um, but I just felt like even in the midst of that, there was just a need, I think there's a, a huge need right now for people to understand the character and specifically the goodness and the kindness of God. Um, you know, when we consider people struggling so badly right now with depression and anxiety and, and just anger and seeing what's happening in the world, I think we really need to get a good vision of who God is and how He expresses His kindness to us. And so that's really what motivated me to try to write this book. Why do you think there are people today who don't have a concept of God as being a kind God? What do you think has influenced those people? Yeah, I think generally, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this too, there's just a general, at least in the Western world, a general opposition to God. You know, in, in mm. days past, perhaps, you know, people sort of understood a, a general, they used to call it a benevolence of God. You read the old Puritans and you even just read during the Enlightenment, people had a general sense of God's character, His justice, His righteousness, His benevolence toward humankind. So there was a general appreciation, even if they didn't know God in a saving way, people in general sort of knew about God. That's gone away. People don't know who he is. They have a very warped perception of who he is. And then add to that, when we see evil increasing in the world and acts of terror and and hostility, people in their ignorance, they blame God and they say, well, if God was so loving, if God was so good, then why would all these other things happen? And I think yeah. really the heart of that is pride and arrogance. You know, we take yeah. God's blessings for granted. You know, we don't appreciate his, what we would know to be his common grace. Uh, we don't thank God for the fact that we have what we have. And so I think a, a combination of many of those factors may likely be contributing to why uh, kindness has sort of fallen on hard times here. Yeah. Well, in your own context, you know, there in New Hampshire, small rural town, what's the general feeling of the people in your community? What, what do they think about God? Yeah, I'd say, you know, with where I am, I mean, New Hampshire is the, according to all the stats, we're the least church state in the country. We're the very bottom tier, bottom of the barrel. And so not a lot of people are in church. Not a lot of people uh, have at least a a visible identification with Christianity, with evangelicalism, whatever you might call that. So I don't know if people really consider God uh, as much as as they should. Um, I think up here in New England, you know, we're really, we have a hefty self-reliance. It's really not about what other people can do for me, it's about what I can do for myself. You know, we have a lot of self-made people. 
And so because of that, you know, there's sort of a gritty New England attitude, which has its merits, I don't deny that. But when it comes to worshiping God, we don't look to him uh, for the source of strength, for our, our blessings. We don't look to him to provide for us. We don't look to him for anything. We're very self-reliant. And, you know, as you well know, self-reliance is really nothing more than a masked pride and self-righteousness. And so I think generally New Englanders struggle because it's all about us and not about God. So uh, I think that's part of the reason why uh, some have even regarded New England as an unreached people group because we're just, it's a whole region full of people who don't regard and don't worship the Lord. And so it's a tall order ahead of us to get us to, to help people to think about him in that way. So you started this church in 2013 in, in that small community there. How has the, how has the church uh, gone through these years? Yeah, by God's grace, it's gone well. Uh, numerically, we've grown pretty much every year that we've been here. Um, there's, I think there's a general hunger right now. I think God is doing something in New England, especially in New Hampshire. Uh, so by His grace, we've seen uh, growth that way. But I think more than numerical growth, we've seen just a, an appetite for the Word of God with our people. Uh, and so it, it's just such a great joy for me to be able to preach and teach and minister to people, to believers up here who are starving and really want the Word and want truth, want doctrine, and then want a place to express their love for other people. And so uh, that's where your local church comes in. So we're very uh, fortunate. The Lord has been very good to us. And uh, by His grace, we have a, a growing and thriving church, and I'm very thankful for that. Thanks for joining us for Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman. For more ways to strengthen your relationships, go to our website, buildingrelationships.us. You can take a free assessment of your love language there and see our featured resource by Pastor Nate Pickowitz. The title is The Kindness of God. Find out more at buildingrelationships.us. Nate, uh, the book, of course, is on uh, the kindness of God, and uh, we see kindness uh, typically as an attribute of God. Uh, how does it compare to some of the other attributes of God? Sure, yeah. So, you know, as you well know, an, an attribute of God is, is how we understand His person, His being. Uh, his, the kindness of God is closely connected to His goodness. So, in the book, I talk about how God's goodness reflects it's just in, His intrinsic character, and uh, his kindness is an outward expression. So really, it's out of God's goodness that we experience his kindness. And so the two are, are interrelated, but they're not the exact same thing. So um, whereas other attributes are sort of germane to who he is, they're intrinsic, kindness is expressed outward to other people, or to, to us, I should say. So there's a, there is a connection, but they, like I said, they're not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, give, give us your definition of kindness. Yeah, I, I read widely on this and tried to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I take a, a, a broad concept and boil it down? So the definition I give in the book is that God's kindness is the demonstration of his goodness toward his people. So again, the demonstration of his goodness toward his people. And so it's, again, out of his goodness that we experience his kindness toward us. Okay, so in the book, you talk specifically about God's kindness uh, pertaining to things like salvation and repentance. Why is it important that we see these as examples of His kindness? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think a lot of times, especially as believers, 
uh, I think we tend to take things like salvation and repentance for granted. And I don't mean that in a sinful way. I just mean it in terms of that we don't really think about uh, how this comes about, that we believe in Jesus, he saves us, we turn from our sins, and we, we have this relationship with God and, and it's good. But I think when we start to, to re recognize that everything in the Christian life that we have received from God is an expression of kindness. And so, you know, just like Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that it's for by grace you've been saved through faith, it's not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. So God gives us, he grants us salvation as an expression of kindness. And we see that in, in Titus uh, chapter 3 when it says when the kindness of God appeared to us, he saved us. Or even in repentance, you know, Romans uh, 2, 4, we know that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So everything we experience in the Christian life, it's not of ourselves, it's from the Lord, it's expressed kindness of God. And when we recognize that and we kind of wrap our brains around that everything we have is, is a kindness expressed to us, then I think we can rightly begin to worship God and thank Him for more than we're possibly recognizing in the moment. We can thank him for all of these things. Lord, thank you for being kind to me and saving me. Or when we fall into sins and we repent and we're forgiven, we can say, Lord, thank you for granting me repentance. I, I, don't, I don't think I could muster that up on my own. Thank you. So I think, mm -hmm. I think we're meant to praise God for all the expressions of his goodness and loving kindness to us. I think that's the right attitude to have as a believer. If we focused on that concept, we could probably make a long list, every one of us, right? <laughs> Even oh, the personal things, yeah, in our in our own lives. Absolutely. Yeah. So how does understanding the kindness of God affect our lives as believers? Yeah, absolutely. Well that goes back to the list. I think there is a huge long list, but if I could maybe boil it down to to two or three I think uh, apprehending God's kindness, it should produce, number one, humility in us, uh, recognizing mm -hmm. everything we receive from God is expressed kindness. It, it knocks you down a couple of notches. I think it makes you recognize, wow, everything I have is from God. I should be humble and recognize it's not of myself. And I think in humility, we should also be thankful. And I touched on that a few minutes ago, but I think uh, thankfulness, that's an antidote to things like depression and anxiety. It's an antidote to pride and self-righteousness. I mean, thanking God for everything he does for us, I think apprehending his kindness will do that. And then out of a heart that's humble and thankful, I think also we're meant to give praise to God. I think, uh, I think Christians can struggle at times in how to worship and praise him and thank him, but I think as we understand his expressed kindness, our praise and our worship will increase. So uh, lots of effects, I think, that this can have on a believer, and these are all good things for us. Yeah, I would I would encourage our listeners to write those three things down, because I think they're, you're right. Humility, and if we realize that everything really we have, life itself is a gift of God, mm -hmm. you know, humility. That's right. And uh, you know, then thanking God, you know, for what he's done for us, and then and praising God, yeah. Well, I think as a preacher, I have to have a three-point sermon, so you know, <laughs> that's the way to do it. <laughs> well, for the pastors who are listening, there, there's your three points, okay? <laughs> Absolutely, sure. So, so how does understanding the kindness of God impact our relationships with other people? 
Yeah, I think uh, a heavy verse on my heart uh, when I consider that is Ephesians 4.32, where the Apostle Paul actually tells the church, he says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. I think verses like that are, are helpful to us because once we can sort of recognize and be humbled by God's kindness and grateful and thankful and praise Him, once you recognize how God has been so kind to you, it feels wrong, and it, it is wrong, to not be kind to other people, especially to believers. I mean, Jesus told us in John chapter 13 to love one another just as He has loved us. So, so we're to be kind to each other. I don't think a believer has any excuse to withhold goodness or to withhold kindness from other people, especially when we consider the fact that God has been so kind to us. And, and even when people hurt you, I think even when you're in a difficult relationships, whether they're family or church people, I think when people hurt you, if you can be reconciled to them and then consider, look, God has been kind to me, he was a friend to me even when I was a sinner, even when I was against him then I can also be kind because God has been good to me. So I think there's a cascading effect that happens when we realize how much we've been the recipients of kindness. It motivates us to then be kind to other people, and that can manifest itself in a million different ways. But I think that's a key application. Yeah. I'm going to ask what Chris asked me in the first segment of the program today. How do you see kindness fitting into the love language concept? I think the way that um, in different languages you're going to, the, the heart is going to be the same. You know, how love is expressed. That feels funny for me to be telling you this, by the way, Dr. Chapman, but, <laughs> <laughs> but just the way that I understand it, uh, uh, you know, that, that all of these different expressions of love and sort of tailor fitting those expressions of love toward the other person, I think the heart behind it is a desire to express a loving kindness to them. It's it's out of kindness that we do these things, that I, I buy my wife a gift, or I want to spend time with her, or I give her a hug, or whatever it may be. I think it's the heart that's underneath it. The being kind to one another, forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven you, that becomes the heart that is, it, that's expressed in those different ways. Uh, and again, we're not you know, legalistic on how we do that. It can be lots of different ways that we express it. But I think if the heart is right, the expression will be right as well. But that's just kind of my two cents about that. Yeah, I fully agree with that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I do think if we have an attitude of kindness, you know, that's our fixed way of thinking that, you know, with all that God has done for us, you know, I want to be his instrument of being kind to other people. I think that is the attitude that's behind expressing all the love languages and many, many other ways of expressing kindness. But there is a sense, and let me follow up with this, the the knock on the love languages or people will uh, criticize it and say, well, you're just manipulating people. You're just, you know, you're doing this so you get this. And I think that same trap can be fallen into spiritually because a lot of people think that Christianity Nate is uh, God tells you to do this and you do that and then he does mm -hmm. this because you've done that. So it's a quid pro quo, you know, that, that we fall into that we do kind things to other people so that God will be kind to us. And then when something bad happens, then, well, God didn't hold up his, you know, in other words, we're meriting his kindness. And that's mm -hmm. not what you're talking about, right? 
No, no. And I think I, I've heard the same kind of criticisms about, you know, concepts like this where it becomes almost commodity. Like if, if I trade in this commodity, then you'll trade in that commodity. Uh, but, you know, out of the heart, it's that, that we do all these things. So out of a heart that is loving and a heart that it's kind, then your deeds will be good as well. So, yeah, obviously, if you're just going to do all these wonderful, kind things to people because you're expecting to get something in return, then it does become works-based. And that's not a, a love language issue. That's a heart issue. That's a, a Christian relationship issue. Um, you know, if I could even turn this around, God's love language to us is his expressed kindness. He does it in all these different ways. But again, if your heart is bad, everything you do will be bad. Uh, but if your heart is right toward God and toward other people, if you have a heart of kindness, a, a tender heart, as Paul says, that manifests a desire to love other people, then you're going to blow that out of the water. You're going to do all kinds of things that express your love toward other people. And then it doesn't become transactional. It becomes a genuine expression of a loveliness and a, a loving kindness that has been shown to you as a believer. So I think it does fit in. I think it, it absolutely works for the Christian life. Yeah, and I think when you are really have in mind that I'm here to bless the world, you know, I'm here to enrich the lives of other people, everybody that I encounter, God brings things to your mind, you know, acts of kindness that mm -hmm. you can do that you wouldn't have thought about on your own. That's right. I, I, was, I think I shared this, Chris, with you. A few weeks ago, I was up early, and the trash men uh, had come by to pick up the trash, and uh uh, I, I seldom see them, you know, but I happen to be out there. And so I just got out of my car real quickly. I said, hey, I just want to thank you for what you do every week coming by and picking up the trash. And he said, well, somebody's got to do it. You know, I said, I know, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you're doing it, you know. That's right. I said, think of what would happen in this city if, if you guys didn't come around and pick up the trash. It'd be awful in a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> that's right. So that's the first time I've ever thanked a trash man, you know, and I've been, they've done good things for me all, all these years. Mm -hmm. But I think God just brought that thought to my mind right there at that moment, you know. So if you have, if you have an attitude of kindness, you're going to find a lot of different ways to, to express it. And if I could even just build on that, too. I mean, several years ago when my wife and I first got married, we read through your book, and, uh, and did the assessment at the end to try to figure out what our love languages tended to be, and they were sort of one result. And then we did it again a couple years later, and we found that it actually had changed, that, that how we received and wanted to give love was a little bit different. And it kind of dawned on me that at a certain point, it's really not the, the act or the gift itself. It's, again, it's the heart. If I love my wife, I'm going to want to do whatever it takes to show her love, even if those things change over time. So it's not yeah. being locked into a certain formula per se. It really, truly is about the heart. So uh, I have to always be examining how, how do I live with my wife in an understanding way? How do I understand what her, how she receives love the best and just continue to try to manifest a heart that desires to show that to her? Yeah, that's why I often encourage couples Every three weeks or so, just to say to the other person, on a scale of zero to 10, how much love are you feeling coming from me? Mm, mm -hmm. And if they say anything less than 10, you say, well, what could I do this week that would, uh, that would bring it up? Mm, and and it, may, it may not be their primary love language that week because there's something sure. going on where they need help in another way. But uh, we, we want to find out, as you said, and whatever it is, then to the best of our ability, mm -hmm. we, we're willing to do that. So That's right. Nate, I want to know, as I was going through your book, the dedication is to your mom. 
And my guess is there's something about your mom that is uh, you know, that she was very kind in your life. Why'd you dedicate it to her? Well, so yeah, certainly she was uh, kind to me. Uh, she was always very loving and very tender when I was growing up. But more specifically, my mom actually uh, went through quite a, a substantial health trial in the last 12 months. And, uh, and I got to watch not only God restore her, she actually recovered and uh, God restored her in kindness. But then I also got to watch uh, her and my stepdad develop their relationship and watch my stepdad demonstrate loving kindness to her. And so really when I watched her whole recovery from this ordeal, I just saw layer upon layer of God's loving kindness to her and through her. And it just really had an impact on me. So. Uh, who better to dedicate a book to than to your mother, right? So, uh, but that was the reason, that was the core reason, just by seeing and witnessing God's kindness through her. So is kindness something that's better caught than taught? Oh boy. Well, I mean, scripture teaches us about it, but certainly we have to catch it. So both and, how's that for a pastoral answer? (laughs) (laughs) I think if you see parents who are kind, you're more likely to be kind. Yes, I agree. (laughs) I would hope anyway. Yes, yes, that's right. We hope today's broadcast is encouraging you. Tell a friend about our program, and you can find our podcast online at buildingrelationships.us. You'll also see our featured resource today, the book by Pastor Nate Pickowitz, The Kindness of God, Beholding His Goodness in a Cruel World. Just go to buildingrelationships.us. Nate, in the book, uh, you discuss the reality of human suffering. How are we able to see God's kindness to us, even in the midst of those difficult times that all of us have in life? Yeah, that's, I think, one of the most challenging uh, things to apprehending and understanding God's kindness is, well, you know, what happens when God allows something bad to happen? Or what if He ordains a trial in my life? And I think for believers, we have to remember uh, Romans 8, 28, that we know, and the Bible says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So even in our perspective, it feels like in the moment when we're suffering, going through trials, bad things are happening, it can feel temporally like it's all bad and that this is not going to be an expression of God's kindness. But when we look past the the circumstances and we know that, number one, God will use this for some good purpose, or even Hebrews 11, that he's disciplining us for godliness, or even James chapter 1, that we're to consider it all joy because our faith is being tested and we're being matured. If we can gain perspective and understand that God is doing something in the midst of it all, and that what he's preparing and doing in us and through us for his glory in the end is an expression of his kindness, then suddenly our perspective on the trial begins to change. Not that the trial loses any of its difficulty. I mean, we're going to go through hard things. But if we can come through the trial and worship God in the process, I think that's where we can find encouragement. And some of the most godly believers that I know are people who've gone through, you know, terrible trial and yet have found and experience God's kindness and his peace in the midst of it. And they rejoice over their trial. So uh, I think that's really where we have to be, is, is seeing, your, seeing God's kindness through uh, the trial itself and then praising him for it in the end. Somewhere, I think recently, I heard someone talk about uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. 
Mm. And uh, somewhere she had written that she was thinking maybe God would let her take her wheelchair to heaven <laughs> and sit it in a corner so she could look at it <laughs> and thank God for the wheelchair mm. uh, all those years and you know, what happened to her. Uh, that that's <laughs> that's what we wish for every Christian that they could see the difficult places in their lives as as mm-hmm. you know God's behind and He's using that. I mean, you wonder what kind of ministry would she have had in life if she had not been disabled? You know, all those years since those teenage years. Absolutely. And and of course yeah. we don't know what that would be like, but we can certainly see how God has used her so greatly. You know, mm-hmm. and and in the midst of that problem. But a person has to be walking closely with God to interpret, you know, suffering and sadness in that manner, right? They do, but I also think, too, along with that, a person who even, if they are a believer, but they're not walking closely, many times the Lord will use the trials and the difficulty Mm. to bring them closer. So I think, you know, we shy away from trials and difficulty too much. Oh, Lord, I don't want you to hurt me. Well, but it's yeah. in the trial and through the trial that maybe you do need to grow closer. Maybe this is God's method of bringing you close. Because uh, if you survive through the trial and still have your faith by God's grace, then you will be stronger. Uh, and so, yeah, he uses trials and difficulty and suffering for good ends. Yeah. I found it really interesting that you started the book with Susan's story. Mm-hmm. And you went through, you know, diagnosed with Crohn's disease of compounding sickness, arthritis, glaucoma, severe kidney stones. She'd been abused when she was younger. And I thought, how do you begin a book with on kindness with a mm-hmm. person who's gone through that? And then she finds a lump, you know? So t- tell us about Susan and, and what uh, sparked the beginning of this book. Yeah, I think with her story, it was it's a, a relationship of, of someone in our church. Uh, her mother was a church member, a very dear, uh, lovely lady, and just I was struck by her story. But I, I began the book that way. I, I agree it's counterintuitive, but I began that way because I wanted to tackle headlong, uh, or right on the, the nose here, the, the, the largest objection, the strongest objection against God's kindness is that God is not kind because He allows these things. And I wanted to just get that out in the open, okay, here, here's a terrible ordeal that someone has gone through, but we're going we're gonna to talk about it. I want to look at the ugly thing in the face, the ugly thing of the trial, and just address it. And then in the end, we see that the Lord actually did use that trial for good. So I think, I think we tend to, to shy away from difficult things because we're afraid that it's going to somehow impugn the character of God. But that's not who he is. You know, he, he is the God over all things, even suffering and trials and difficulty. And while he's not the author of sin, he is sovereign over all things. And, and so I think that we are to praise him in the midst of all storms. I think about Lamentations 3.32, for if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. So I don't think we should be afraid of talking about hard things because even in those hard things, God is still kind and he's still good to us. Yeah. You know, throughout the book, uh, you refer to Psalm 63, verse 3, which reads, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Mm. How is it that we can see God's loving kindness as being better than life itself? 
Yeah, it's that's one to ponder for sure. But when you think about all of what life is, you know, we tend to think life being a good thing, but life is also plagued with difficult things. And our life, uh, at least on this world, is, is plagued by sin and the curse of the fall. And so our life is, is not always uh, what we would hope or want it to be. And I think that those who are hanging on to this life, I mean, Jesus says, if you love this life, in the end, you'll lose it. This isn't all there is. So I think when we, when we consider knowing God, I mean, Jesus said eternal life exists in knowing God. If we know him and become acquainted with his character and his righteousness and his kindness, we begin to see that knowing him is actually greater. I and mean, that's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, all other things I've counted as lost for the sake of following and knowing Christ. So Paul regarded his life as rubbish in comparison mm. to knowing the Lord. So I think that's how we have to view a verse like that to say that, no, loving kindness of God, the expressed goodness of his character, knowing him is far better than anything we could ever receive in this life. And I'll tell you, if we know Christ in this life and can see that, then we will uh, we will rejoice in Christ in the next life. And so I think that's that's got to be our heartbeat. Oh, absolutely. I think every true believer, if they reflect upon God's kindness and, and, and a relationship with him, is more important than anything that, that will ever happen in our lives here. Mm. So powerful. That's right. Does the concept of God's kindness have any implications on how we see culture and world events today. Yeah, I think it does. I, you know, we read, you know, places like Psalm two, where it talks about the nations raging against God, and and even today, so many people thinking that God owes them something, or or the universe owes them something, or however they want to spin that, whether they think that that God owes them blessings or favor or or freedoms or whatever we think that God owes us as a nation or as a culture. I think uh, an antidote to dealing with that you know, mistake and that problem is to recognize, again, that, that God demonstrates common grace because he's good, uh, that God doesn't owe us a thing. And I think if, if more people, again, this is apart from a saving relationship with Jesus, but even if just nations uh, humbled themselves, and as the psalmist says in Psalm 2, pay homage or kiss the Son, uh, that he might not be angry and you perish along the way. I think if nations would re regard and revere and fear the Lord and begin to thank him for being good, I think we would see a, a huge change in world events. Again, not that these things are, are saving realities. You know, you don't get saved just by, you know, having in God we trust on a piece of money. That's not what does it. But I think in terms of a, a world culture, uh, we would be impacted, I think, if people had a, a right understanding of the God who created us. Um, but there's a lot of applications, I think, of this doctrine into real-world situations. Yeah. yeah. I think all of us struggle with events that are going on in the world today and wondering where does this lead and what is God doing behind the scenes. And we, mm -hmm. we, we see through a glass darkly, right, in terms of understanding That's right. uh, contemporary That's culture right. and what happens. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today for Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. Our guest is Pastor Nate Pickowitz, author of The Kindness of God. You can find out more about it at buildingrelationships.us. Again, go to buildingrelationships.us.
Nate, I saw the chapter on sanctification and God's kindness, and I wanted to ask you about that because I have been thinking about uh, process versus outcome. You know, I'm very outcome oriented. What do I need to do and how do I need to get there the quickest I can? <laughs> and yeah. God is seems to be more interested in the process that he is taking me through rather than just running, rushing to the outcome. He was, Jesus was that way with his disciples. So explain what you mean by, for those who don't know what sanctification is, what is sanctification and how is God's kindness involved in that? Yeah, so sanctification is really just a, a fancy theological word to refer to growing in Christ-likeness, growing in your spiritual walk with God. And really the root of sanctification is really, it has to do with holiness or God setting you apart for a purpose. He pulls you out of the world, uh, sanctifies you to himself in a relationship with him, but then he grows you in that relationship and that process of growth is what we call sanctification. And I think about First Peter chapter 2 where talks about we're like newborn babes when we come to Christ and we long for the pure milk of the word. And he says, but in doing so, as we grow closer to God, we read the Bible, we pray, we grow and we say no to sin and we repent and we, we grow in faithfulness, that we grow, he says, in respect to salvation. He says, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So there's a connection there to growing in Christ and growing in the Lord and experiencing his kindness. And really, I think that what God is doing is that at every step along the way, he is nurturing us and feeding us and tending to us, just like a parent does to their child. You know, you don't have a baby and then teach them how to walk and then say, all right, well, uh, you got to get to the end. You got to get a job and go to college and move on. You know, we, we minister to them slowly and progressively. We, we absorb a lot of their, um, their bad habits and their sins and their tempers, and we absorb that as parents, and we walk them through, we discipline them, we train them, we grow them, and it's an act of kindness, a progressive kindness as a parent. Now, if we know how to do that, albeit not always perfectly, but if we know how to do that as human parents who are sinful, how much more so does a perfect, loving father know how to minister his kindness to us and, and minister as we grow in Christ-likeness. So I think that all throughout the course of our Christian life, God is ministering little kindnesses to us that grow us and nourish us and bring us closer to him, where one day we will see him in glory. So I think it's, it's a progressive thing. We experience God's kindness from start to finish all throughout the course of our Christian life. I think that process uh, if we have any age like I do, you look back, you can you can realize, ooh, it's been a real process, you know, along the way, because mm-hmm. we're at a very different point now than we were, you know, so many years ago, uh, and that's encouraging you know, to recognize that in a person's life. Yeah. What encouragement do you have for the person who is struggling right now in their lives? They're having a hard time experiencing the kindness of God. What would you say to them? Yeah, I I, I want to encourage folks who are struggling in this area, and that's one of the reasons, the main reason I think I wrote the book was to try to be an encouragement and a blessing to people. I think that when when you've come on hard times, whether you're going through a trial right now, or even if you're just sort of hardened to the things of God, I would say begin with just prayer and confession. Go to the Lord directly and just tell Him what's what's on your heart. 
I don't think this kind of a prayer needs to be a long, articulate, erudite kind of a prayer. This is a prayer of just asking God for help, uh, confessing your sins. Lord, I, I don't see you in your kindness. I don't see your goodness. I, I don't acknowledge all these things. I just, I'm struggling with you, Lord. I think admitting that and confessing sins and asking God to forgive you, I think that's a good place to start. And then when you do find forgiveness, and 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we do confess, God is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. And as he begins to do that, I think uh, reading his word, you know, devoting yourself to scripture and reading the promises of God, I, I would, if you're struggling right now, I would just go and live in the Psalms for a season and just look at how even David and the psalmists, other psalmists, uh, convey these feelings to God where they're struggling and yet they still acknowledge God's kindness to them and they learn how to praise God in the midst of the storms. So I would encourage you, struggling believer, if you're, if you're hurting right now, be encouraged and know that God is kind and just because you don't see it in the moment doesn't mean it's not happening. You're just not paying attention to what he's really doing. Mm -hmm. But to, to get alone with him, to confide in him, to read his word, and to encourage your heart that God really is who he says he is and he is a good God who does express his kindness to us. So lift your heads, beloved. God is good. I found it interesting you referred to the Psalms because uh, I think uh, you found it illustrated in the Psalms, right? Where the psalmist is mm -hmm. open with God. You know, I don't get this. You know, my enemies are overwhelming me, et cetera, et cetera, right. et cetera. You know, just being totally honest with God and, uh, and, 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 and even asking, where are you, God? You know, how long before you respond mm -hmm. to me? You know, we can be honest with God. He, he knows already <laughs> how we That's feel right. and what our thoughts are, but we reveal them to him. But we're turning to him, not just with our frustration and our questions and all of that, but also to say, thank you, God, at least I'm still alive today. At least I, right. I still have this or I still have that or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, but it, it can be hard. It can be hard. I, I understand the, the struggle there. Absolutely. What do you think would happen in the life of a believer if he or she truly understood God's kindness for them? I think it would have a, a transformative effect. I, I really do think it would change the way that we think about God. I think that it would, um, it would begin to inform uh, our, a right understanding of who he really is, to study out God's attributes or what some people call his perfections to really uh, immerse yourself in knowing him deeply and then seeing how he relates to us. I mean, the kindness of God is really how God relates to his people and how he blesses and, and, and demonstrates goodness. So I think if we could do that, we would know him better. And Jesus says again, knowing him is eternal life. But, but more than that, I think we would rightly worship him. I think our worship would increase. I think our sensitivity towards sin We'd be sensitive to that. We'd want to confess. I think we would pray to him more. We would be nourished in his word. I think our, our love and our tenderness for him would, would grow recognizing his loving kindness to us. And so I, I don't think it, it does anything negative for the believer. I think there's only positives in this. And so that's been really my hope is that this book would just be a help. It would just be a guide uh, to, to at least get people to start thinking about God's kindness in their own life and, and maybe thinking about it in places that they maybe hadn't considered before. 
um, because it's everywhere. The more I studied it and looked at the whole thing, I realized it's absolutely everywhere and I'm the one who misses it. I'm the one who doesn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if we could if we could do that, I think our relationship would it would get better. We would love him more. We worship him rightly, and we, and we would give him the glory he deserves. Yeah, you know I'm always encouraged as a pastor. Uh, I'm sure you are. When I see people, you know, in our congregation that I've known for years, who are going through really really difficult times, but who have a spirit of thank you, Lord. You know, thank you for all that you've done for me in my life. Because, you know, when you see older people who've been around longer than you have and see the things they're going through and and yet see their thankfulness to God for all that he has already done. Uh, I've heard a member say the other day, said, you know, if God did nothing else for me ever, you know, I'm I, I, I just so grateful for everything that's already happened in my life. Amen. And the goodness of God Amen. in my life, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Nate, one more question before we go. The, the Romans 8.28, that doesn't mean that we figure out everything that God is doing in order to trust Him, right? Absolutely. I mean, there are things, there are lots of things that we will never know this side of heaven. Uh, as I you know, you think about Deuteronomy 29, the secret things belong to God, and basically the rest belongs to us here, that, that we don't always know God's plan. His thoughts are higher his ways are so much higher. That's not what the goal is. The goal is not to figure out God or figure out his plan. Uh, the goal is to, by faith, trust in him and, and, and throw our heart into his hands and say, Lord, if, if you're ordaining a trial, if you're ordaining difficulty, uh, or even if you're ordaining good things, I'm trusting that you will work everything out for good. I think about Joseph when he was abducted and sold into slavery and at the very end of his life, you know, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I feel like that has to be our perspective, that, that God does mean good for those who trust him and love him, even if we don't see how it all comes together. Well, Nate, let me thank you for being with us today. I think this topic is a, is a timely topic, and I think uh, what, the way you've treated it in the, in the book is going to be very, very helpful to the readers. So thanks for what you have done in in this book as well as the ministry you're having there in your local community. Thank you so much. I appreciate the chance to be on and and spend some time with you. Thank you. Well, what an encouraging conversation about God's kindness. Maybe someone you know needs to hear about this topic, and you might be the person who reaches out to them. Our featured resource will help you. It's titled, The Kindness of God, Beholding His Goodness in a Cruel World. Just go to buildingrelationships.us to find out more. Buildingrelationships.us And next week, the comfort and compassion we get from experiencing the book of Psalms. Heather Holdsworth joins us from Scotland in one week. Our thanks to our production team, Steve Wick and Janice Backing. Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman is a production of Moody Radio in Chicago in association with Moody Publishers, a ministry at Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening.